The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you ever stopped to think that the best and worst place to live is in your mind? Think about it. We can create our own destiny or our own downfall. It all has to do with the way that we choose to think and see things. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with your host, Dr. Paula Joyce. Dr. Paula is here with her guest experts to show you just how to change that negative way of thinking and see your world in a positive light. Now, here is Dr. Paula. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, and I'm so grateful you're with us today. It turns out that this really is World Talk Radio. I just found out that within just the first two weeks of the show, we already have listeners from 31 regions across the United States and from numerous countries, including Ghana, Great Britain, China, Canada, Japan, Israel. So, wow, welcome to all of you. And please continue to like us on Facebook and help us spread the word. I also realize that most of you are not listening to the live broadcast, and so you can't call in during the show. I still want to hear from you. So, between shows, please email me at drpaulajoyce, that's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com, or call my Google phone number, 1-214-736-4460. Even if it's a show from three, four, five weeks or months ago, it doesn't matter if it's an import, a question that's important to you, someone else has that same question. So please don't hesitate to call in. The show is for you. If you can call in during the show, that number is 1-866-472-5795. And of course, you can use the Joyce at gmail.com during the show or any time. So, and speaking of listening as podcasts, this show on creativity is one that you're probably going to want to listen to more than once. So I'm grateful it's on a podcast so that you can access it at will. Creativity is a loaded topic because so many people don't think they're creative. And it's a topic that's very dear to me because I was one of those people for most of my life. I believed my parents and teachers who told me that I had no creative talent, that I couldn't draw, couldn't paint, couldn't write creatively, and couldn't dance or sing. They were wrong. I now dance Argentine tango. I've had my creative writing and poetry published. And... 
I'm doing this talk radio show, and I'm also an artist. I have shown internationally, and I've sold to fashion designers. It wasn't until I was 50, however, that I finally decided that I didn't care what they thought. I was going to try anyway. I had always seen these blocks of colors, and I wanted to paint them. So I finally got up the courage and began. When I sold my hand-painted silks to fashion designer Mary McFadden and got compliments from Nicole Miller, I began to think, maybe I could paint. Maybe I am an artist. Then my work was shown internationally and in museums, and I decided if I could do this, everyone has talent that's hidden that's blocked. And I set out to find a way to help people uncover their hidden creative gifts. What I discovered was that the workshops that I developed help people on multiple levels. Yes, they discovered that they were in fact creative or that they had far greater well of creativity available to them and within them than they ever had imagined before. In fact, I've had artists say every artist should take this workshop, and one in particular who came in with a chip on her shoulder certain that she could benefit in no way because she was as creative as possible. By the end, she gave me a testimonial saying that she now knew how far she had come and how much farther <clears throat> excuse me, she had to go because there's actually 10 million times more information in the creative side of our brain than there is in the logical side. But most of us don't know how to access it. So even if we are artists, we're often still coming from the left side of our brain and not knowing how to tap into that well of infinite creativity. And what I realized also as I read people's evaluations was that this process helped them to release fears, not only about creativity, but about all areas of their personal and business lives. And they were able to access the hidden blockages, release them, and solve their most challenging problems, sometimes things that had plagued them most of their lives. Some, since the basic idea came to me in a dream, I didn't realize just how powerful it was until I started getting feedback and reading these evaluations at, at the end of my workshops. Comments included statements like, I feel as relaxed as I do after a long vacation. I solved a $60,000 problem I've been trying to figure out for two years. My depression lifted. I wish I had known this technique when I was getting chemotherapy. Over time, I realized that my ultimate creative problem-solving process allowed people to align and integrate information in both sides of their brain so that all of their energy was going in the same direction to reach the goal that was most important to them. So usually what goes on is our conscious mind says, 
I want to um, uh, be the CEO of a company, and our and and yet there's we tell ourselves, oh, that's impossible. You don't have the education, you don't have the skills, you don't have the um, the wherewithal. You you'll you'll never succeed at that. And our right brain is saying, yeah, go for it. You really want this. So the right brain can be our aid, but we don't know how to get to that information. Or it could be the reverse, where our right brain is saying, you know, you have such incredible talent. I really want you to succeed as a CEO. And the left brain is saying, huh. What makes you think you're special? So we have, it's like a tug of war and it's, or maybe a, a cart where two horses at either end pulling in opposite directions and we make no progress. The process that I use is similar to what Dr. Bernie Siegel talked about, using crayons to people to help people access that unconscious creative part of their brain that knows more, truly knows more because it's our inner wisdom. It's our all-knowing self. And it can help us to succeed. So this process allows the information to come forward for the blocks to release and for the conscious mind and unconscious mind to connect so that we are moving forward with all of our energy in the same direction. And it's not a process of the one I use does not require that you draw pictures it can just be colors it can be scribbling it can be lines it can be images it can be stick figures it doesn't matter it's the process of using the crayons which takes us immediately and with no effort into a meditative state where we can access information in the unconscious right brain. And the beauty of the process is that people discover their own solutions and they receive the information that they're ready to absorb because it's them telling them. It's their inner wisdom communicating to their conscious self and directing the process. When I use it in my coaching, people are able to overcome long-standing difficulties by removing the hidden blocks to their progress. Some examples are um, one client who drew really large red lines and he felt anger for, for the first time in his life and here he was at retirement age and yet had never allowed himself to feel anger and he felt it in this process and because he was no longer depressing, pressing down the feeling, the emotion of anger, but was able to feel it and release it in a healthy way without hurting others, he got off antidepressants because he no longer needed them. What was depressing him was all that stored up anger and other emotions that he had been afraid to to feel. Another person had a chronic pain in her neck. It disappeared when she connected it to her soon-to-be ex-husband, who she viewed as a pain in the neck. When she connected the two 
instantaneously the crick and pain in her neck released. I've had alcoholics stop drinking where they release the emotions that they're trying to numb through the alcohol and they no longer need that in order to face the day. I've helped people leave abusive marriages and relationships and become self-empowered through this process. I had an insect victim, incest victim who integrated dissociated parts of herself. We used to call this multiple personalities. She integrated through this process parts of herself. She also, although she was in her 40s and had been institutionalized and had gone through years and years of therapy, it was in one of our sessions that she was able to access her deep sadness and to cry about her situation for the first time. And tears are healing. There's actually medical evidence that there are chemicals in the tears that help us heal. Tears are not a bad thing. They don't mean you're weak. They're not for sissies. They're a powerful healing tool. And we need to allow ourselves to feel and to cry. I had two clients this week who told me that they slept through the night, solid eight hours sleep for the first time in years. One um, said to me, after I was able to connect that feeling that I would wake up with in the middle of the night of nausea and dread and, and fear connected to the experiences that I had that were hidden in, in my memories, in my unconscious memories, connect the two, talk about it, draw about it, integrate it and release it. I was able to sleep because they weren't plaguing me anymore. When I asked one client if I could mention her anonymously in this in this list, she said, of course, I want more people to know about the amazing work that you do. I've had fun doing this in businesses, too. One client who had the Verizon contract when we worked together was so pleased with the results that she never begins a leadership team meeting without using the ultimate creative problem-solving process. And when I worked with her as an executive coach, she developed a large influx of clients while working fewer hours and reaching her goal of creating more balance in her life. I've helped organizations come to consensus, develop innovative strategic plans to re-energize their business, develop team effectiveness, improve leadership, healthy cultures, resolve conflicts. The, the, The beauty of this process is that it's surprisingly easy and effective and can be customized to whatever the needs of the individual the group or the organization is. I've worked with um, teams on trust building and on really becoming a healthy team that communicates. One organization had been dealing with uh, ineffective communication systems for years. When we worked, they solved the problem within two hours and created an effective system for their 
for them to communicate with their employees and vice versa so that everybody was finally in sync and enjoying the ability to be heard, to be listened to, and to have complete communication. So to find out more about this process that I use, you can go to my website, www.paulajoyce.com. You can roam around the site or go directly to services and click on Creative Problem Solving. If you want more information, more detail about how this works and the model that I use and really the the detailed specifics, you can sign up for my newsletter and get the free chapter, The Ultimate Creative Problem Solving Process, from my best-selling book, Nothing But Net. Or you can contact me for a free consultation. And and this reminds me of one client who I forgot to mention who was um, certain that she would never be promoted. Her boss hated her. And in fact, she would uh, was actually in fear of losing her job because she was uh, working on projects. And just before the completion they would uh, date, they would always take her off the project. As we worked together with this process of crayon and write, crayoning and writing and discussion, what re- became revealed was that she was a perfectionist and she couldn't bring the projects in on time and they were a business they had a bottom line they had deadlines they had to meet as she let go of that perfectionism she became a valued member an even more valued member in a way that she understood that she was valued and eventually promoted So she went from thinking that she would never succeed to suddenly realizing how much the organization appreciated her and valued her. And that's the power of moving into the unconscious, the creative side of the brain for information. Yes, for creativity, because we all have that, and also to get information that allows us to solve our most challenging problems. After the break, we'll be visiting with Yelisaveta Narasseva, who's a Russian artist. She was born in Iran and grew up in Zambia, the Soviet Union, and Texas. In addition to showing her art in galleries, she taught art and art history at the University of Texas at Dallas. She also taught at the Dallas Yoga Center, focusing on sound healing meditation and its potential for facilitating the connection to one's creative voice. And it was there that she and I met, and I became convinced that I really wanted her on this show that I could, so I could share with you her wisdom and beautiful spirit. So after the break, we're going to take a journey into the vast and beautiful world of creativity with Yelissa Vetta. You're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit 
I'm your host, Dr. Paula. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like us on Facebook and visit my website, PaulaJoyce.com. I think I know my name, PaulaJoyce.com. Stay tuned and we'll be right back with Yelisaveta. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Time for a fresh perspective. From leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission, Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the life doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Welcome back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Thank you for staying with us so that you can benefit from Elisabetta, who is here with us. Hi. Good to be there, or here, rather. Thank you. Um, It's good to have you here. Um, Last week, we talked about sound, and you and I, off before um, you agreed to be on the show, have talked about the connection between color and sound. So I just thought you might have some insights that you'd like to share with our listening audience. 
Sure. Well, my own exploration of color and sound um, goes back a few years when I started exploring sound meditation. And I've done a lot of research and my own kind of experimental processes. And I have a lot more questions than I have answers, but I can just share with you what I've come to feel intuitively about color and sound and the connection between the two. And I would like to refer to um, a writer named Hazrat Inayat Khan, who is a wonderful kind of a mystic Sufi singer who has passed. Um, and he talks about sound and color being one and the same thing, that they, like if we were to consider another dimension of reality, that color and sound are really the same thing and would be perceived the same. But in our dimension, in our day-to-day life, we perceive them as separate. Another way of thinking about it is both sound and color are vibration, but the color vibration is actually much, much higher. The frequency is so high that we can't necessarily hear it with the range of frequency that we're allowed to hear in the ear, but instead we see it um, as color. So there's an um, intrinsic connection between the two, and I think that we recognize it on a very fundamental, very primordial level in our brain, but we don't necessarily acknowledge it um, in our daily life. So I started exploring this um, through sound, not really knowing um, anything about connection between sound and color, but I tried to really uh, explore sound at first, and then I started having experiences within my own work as an artist, realizing that what I was doing in my sound work and my sound meditation was directly affecting what was happening in my work as an artist and how I was becoming more conscious of myself as an artist. I, I think it's fascinating, and a, a name that some of our listeners may be more familiar with is the artist Kandinsky, who wrote a short book also identifying the relationship between sound and color. So I just want to raise that because I think it's not... Um, an isolated idea or understanding that there are a number of people in different cultures and coming at it from different perspectives who understand that color and sound are both vibration. And as you were talking, the, the other thing that just sort of struck me is just like some sounds make us feel good, uplift us or feel sad or, you know, all different kinds of emotion, contemplative. Uh, so, so do colors. Some colors are soothing. Some are joyful. Some make us feel good. Some we don't like. Ooh, that's ugly. Well, a, a color is not inherently ugly, but for some reason it doesn't resonate with us. Yeah, you're right, and I think this is the reason why um, most of, if not all of the meditation techniques that I've come across use some sort of visualization that usually requires you to visualize a color or somehow connect with the energy of a color. And I think of color as well as sound when it comes to sound meditation. I I think of it as kind of like a, a code that you're putting into your computer, like you're you're putting some sort of a program into the computer saying to your brain, okay, brain, tune into the energy of this particular color because I want to gain whatever healing um, frequencies are available to me in that color or in that sound. So what I've noticed in my meditation work uh, with students is that 
yes, you can just do sound meditation and just focus on the sound. And yes, you could do just visualization. And both are good. But when you're doing both, you're getting a benefit that's exponentially larger than if you're doing one at a time. And that's where it's fascinating to me to see the connection that between color and sound and that they really are one. And you're right about artists throughout the ages seeing this connection intuitively and trying to illustrate it. Kandinsky is just one of the many, many people who was trying to visualize this. And back then, there was really no way to prove it. But I think we all know this on a very basic level, even as children. I think we all kind of are drawn to this knowledge within ourselves. And it's kind of a, you know, as you were doing an introduction, I was thinking about the fact that the creative process or the creative knowledge is a nonlinear process. And that's very important because as children, we all have that. You know, it's very nonlinear. That's why, you know, the kids will have these conversations with themselves that to us as adults have absolutely no sense. But to them, they do because they just kind of have this circular way of information absorption and processing. And then as we get older, um, we kind of tap into the more linear thinking in terms of language, you know, mathematics, science, and we tap into the linear intelligent part of our brain, which is great, but we kind of never go back to the more creative side. So this connection between color and sound and thought and consciousness kind of gets all disjointed when, in fact, at the beginning of our lives, that's how it was. That's how we read the world was through color and sound and all of it kind of together. I love what you're talking about, and it reminds me of two well-known artists who commented on the the gifts that children have as artists. And Picasso said something to the effect of all children are artists. The problem is once we grow up, you know, that we lose, he said it much more beautifully, but the problem is we lose touch with that ability. And, and the artist Turner used to go to his friend's house who had children before he created any painting and he would say to the child here's what I'm thinking about what would it look like if if you did that (laughs) (laughs) that's a great strategy I should try that (laughs) yeah it's very interesting I in my own teaching experience and I've been teaching now for about um, seven or eight years anywhere from little children to teenagers to college students to people who've never done any art and then they're, they're in their 50s and they're trying to learn to draw. What I've noticed is um, just a gap in our education system where our education system builds on this very linear system of, of language and math and all that. But right around age 10 or 11 is where our right side of the brain is dying for development. It needs guidance. You know, this is when we look at the picture of, um, you know, the tree that we drew and we say, oh, my God, that doesn't look like what I'm looking at. How do I make it look like that? And usually, um, for the most part, people don't have anybody there to guide them and say, okay, well, here's the skill, you know, kind of like, you know, here's how you ride a bike, and then you learn it. You know, so at the age of 10 or 11, we don't get that guidance, and then that becomes this feeling that, oh, I'm not creative, I can't draw, I'm not capable of it, I, you know, I suck at this. And by the time you get into your 20s and 30s, that belief is already so solid, so it's kind of like, 
when we're learning a language when we're little, it's effortless. We don't think about learning it. We just absorb it. And later in life, it becomes much harder to learn a language. Well, it's the same thing with art. So people who get into creative process later in life, they feel it's such a huge obstacle because... You know, it feels very uncomfortable. They never kind of got developed in that direction. And so there's that kind of feeling of like, oh, I don't have it. Well, you do. It's just that you're having to kind of catch up and you're going to have to experience that um, discomfort for a little while to tap back into what's very natural already within yourself. So, you know, I think a lot about what creative process is and the more I kind of go within myself and question myself, the simpler it becomes, and it's kind of like realizing, oh, my God, this has been there all along. This is nothing new. This has just been here under my nose, and I just need to remove the blinders. Um, And that's where the sound work really helps. Interesting. You know, you were talking about child, children and creativity, and the studies show the research done on creativity shows that children's creativity plummets in the first grade. Mm. So they're creative before they enter formal school. Probably that's an old study. Probably today it would plummet in kindergarten or maybe even preschool because we create so much structure and so much judgment about who can do what. And if you don't draw as well as your neighbor, even if you've gotten the instruction but it's hard for you to do it this happened to someone I know he would hear the teacher compliment the best quote-unquote student in the class and so what this my friend was hearing was I'm no good the only good person in this class is James Mm -hmm. yeah and and he dropped out of the elective even though he was enjoying it and learning and having fun and being successful in his self-expression. But the teacher put so much judgment on on it, and I think that's part of, it connects too with what you're saying, because I think part of the difficulty in learning as an adult is having to unlearn all those messages that you're no good, you don't measure up, you can't do it, you know, you get a a D on this picture. I mean, how can you grade someone's picture? Yeah, and it's a very, it's a complex um, problem and it's got many, many layers. Um, And I'll just say that it's, um, I kind of go back to this idea that the creative process is a nonlinear process and therefore cannot be approached in a linear way. So there's not, a, there's not an overall general rule, how would you teach art or grade art or look at art. Every, it's kind of like it's a very intuitive, evolving process that has to be addressed this way. So when I'm teaching um, students, especially in college, when I get students who, you know, I don't have to judge them. They do it themselves, <laughs> you know. One of the very first things I tell them in class is they're not allowed to criticize themselves. They're not allowed to um, think about their work in terms of value judgment because that just hinders the progress. And what I think about is that every class I go in, it's going to evolve the way it needs to evolve. It can't really follow a particular agenda because every person is very different. And in the end, I remind them that this kind of um, 
I would say, visual slavery that we have to information outside of us. We look at images online, we look at TV, and we think, oh, that when I make art, it's supposed to look perfect like this, you know. It's supposed to look effortless and all, have all this perfection about it. I remind them that, you know, when you're drawing, you're not drawing a photograph. If you need to, fo- to have a photograph, use a camera. It's a much more efficient tool. <laughs> when you're drawing, you need to see that it's a drawing. You need to tap into what drawing is for you, for your hand, for your body, because it's a body involving, you know, action. There's, um, you know, there's a bodily awareness happening. So that's what you need to tap into. And it's going to look different from everybody else because nobody else has that sensibility that you have. If you want something to look like a painting, you use paint. You know, so it's like I try to um, convince students that the imperfection of what, or what we call imperfection is the starting point. You have to accept that feeling of imperfection to begin the journey into art um, and it's kind of like the, the scariest thing for, for students to realize that they cannot do something, but it's also the point of liberation because if they accept the fact that they can't do it and then they keep going, it's like, oh, well, I can't do that. I don't have to. Okay, I just can keep going. And, and, then and I can do this. Starts. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I jumped in there and said I can't do this, but I can do this. Right, and it's not even, um, you know, sometimes it's not even labeling. The, the thing is, it's like it, you don't even have to label of what you can do because that's part of the left brain. It's like the left brain wants to categorize. It wants to, it wants to say, oh, I'm good at this and I'm not good at that, and, and that's fine. Sometimes that's fine. That's a pretty wonderful process for many goal-oriented people. But in an artistic sense, when you're in the studio for three hours, it doesn't serve you to keep standing back and say, oh, well, this is good, and this is bad, and therefore I need to do this. It's just, it's all one. There's no linearity. Some of it is great. Some of it is not so good. It's all part of the process. And I think what you're talking about in terms of, you know, emotional release or working through the blockages, that's a byproduct. It's not, you don't even have to think about solving your problems. It just happens because when you tap into that energy of creativity, it's like it's a flow that is taking you on a journey. You are not controlling it. It's kind of carrying you with it. And there's an intelligence in it. There is a beauty in it and perfection that it's own that doesn't belong anywhere else. And it's, it's really wonderful. Um, and it feels, you know, it feels exhilarating and scary. Um, and at the same time, there's a, a, a great deal of comfort in it because, once again, is a feeling of coming back to yourself, um, of who you are on the very, like, essential cellular level. Um, and I think, I do think that when you really get into the creative mode, you know, the cellular level of your being is kind of working in harmony, and that feels just wonderful. And I think that's where the overlap with sound meditation comes in because it's a very similar process. That's what you're kind of doing when you're doing some sort of chanting and you're listening to healing sounds is you're kind of recalibrating the energy of your body to be in a more harmonious state. That was just so beautiful. I mean, the way you express that, and and all I could keep thinking was, why aren't you teaching future teachers how to teach children? I know you have your own path, but I want every 
teacher to hear what you said because it's so much about product in, I won't say every art class, but most it's about product, not about process, not about self-expression, not about tapping into who you are and where you are and what's evolving and then, I mean, one thing that I love to do is look at my painting afterwards and try to understand what it's telling me because it guided the process. I didn't. And it's yeah. revelatory. It's, it's a really interesting dilemma, I think. And I love teaching. I love teaching art. And that's um, what I'm focusing on now is really going into the art field full force and developing my own work, but also teaching, teaching, still teaching college and also teaching younger kids because it's kind of um, a less, um, less treaded path for me teaching kids. I've been mostly focusing on teaching uh, college level. Um, and I think it's a balance. It's, it's this really interesting dance between creating boundaries, creating a container where there's parameters, because I think that if you just tell people, okay, just, just do anything, it becomes almost too big of a project. It's too vast. It's kind of, uh, you know, people get kind of overwhelmed with the potential that they have no limitations. So it's creating these creative ways of just giving a container to people, just giving them some parameters, and then encouraging them to kind of tap into their own way of exploring those parameters. And that's where I think it's very interesting, because I could have a project that has particular guidelines and particular outcomes that I'm looking for, but every person is going to have their own way of interpreting those parameters. And that's what's fascinating, because it will be you know, one set of instructions, and every person is going to come up with something completely their own. And um, usually, I mean, it's unfortunate, but the, the projects that I think are, uh, to me, are the most exciting are the ones that my students like the least, because they feel that it's not perfect enough, it doesn't have the, the finesse that they want to see, but those are the projects that I feel have the most um, beauty because they're so, they speak so much about their own hand, their own body, their own uh, brain, their own thinking, their own seeing. And, um, you know, it's kind of like I go into a classroom sometimes and I think of, you know, everybody's bringing in their own set of vibrations, their own set of harmonies. And by the end of class, we have this wonderful fugue going on among us. You know, it's like, and it just happens naturally. Everybody just taps into their own um, stream of creativity. So I'd love, you know, I, eventually I would love to write something. I'd love to, um, I'd love to teach. I'd love to talk on the subject. And, you know, at this point, I have a lot of questions, and I guess that's the journey, too, is the more I go into it, the more questions I have, um, but that's, that's really my vision as well. Okay, so we need to go to break right now, and I want to um, take a slightly different perspective on one of the things that you said, and so we will continue our discussion after the break for a few more minutes. Stay with us. This is Dr. Paula with Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, talking with Elisabetta.
the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Explore subconscious programs, belief systems, and past life memories that may be sabotaging your life. Join host Dorian Light on her show, All About You, as she helps you to shift change and heal your life. Each week, Dorian does a light session using psychic energetics and the language of light to energetically shift and clear negative patterns you have stored regarding that week's topics. Step into the realm of infinite possibilities for your life. All About You airs live Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Time for a fresh perspective. From leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission, Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Okay, we have just a few more minutes with um, Yelissa Veta, and thank you for rejoining us on Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. And I'm your host, Dr. Paula. Yulissa Veta, we were talking a little bit about how, about this idea of setting parameters versus uh, being wide open to whatever is wanting to be expressed through us in a artistic way, through us, uh, a process of, let's say, putting paint on, on paper or canvas or silk. Yeah, and I think that uh, what you're tapping into is a really interesting um, concept, and I think that's where the skill, the building of the skill to listen to yourself and figuring out what the individual creative voice is, that's, that's the life journey, I think. So when I'm thinking of parameters, I'm not necessarily thinking of like a prescribed um, sort of set of principles that limits the student. Instead, I'm thinking of it in terms of 
enabling the student to have a starting point of some kind. And especially when students are young, they might not know what's out there that's available. And so one project might be all about drawing with graphite, another project might be mixed media. And so those parameters might inform the student about all the possibilities that are out there and kind of create a, a way for them to explore them. When people get older, the hope is that eventually they create their own parameters. They create their own rules, what they want to do, how they want to do it. And I guess it would be uh, the metaphor I would say since I've taught yoga for many years, it would be something like, okay, you spend a little bit of time learning the pose. You might do it several times. You, you might do several poses, several sequences, and then the hope is that you'll go home and you'll do it on your own and you'll do it in your own way at your own pace with your own music. And I guess that's what I think I'm doing as, a, as an art instructor is I'm trying to give people all the different possibilities, all the different containers that are out there, and then hopefully encourage the students to take all the different things and create their own patterns of creativity, whatever they might be. So that's kind of how I'm thinking of parameters um, in, my, in my case. Um, interesting. And, and I think that it does have connotations and lessons for how we live our lives and what limits we put on ourselves versus allowing ourselves to be open to more possibilities. And for me, anyway, there's been that journey that's kind of it one informs the other as I'm able to break out of certain limitations and boxes and parameters within my own art and then to do the same within my life and then that feeds back to my art and and so on so that they feed each other helping me to continue to grow and, and not get stuck. Yeah, and that's, again, what, what you just said expresses beautifully my thought about how creative process is a nonlinear process, and it's a non-localized process. It doesn't just belong in, in the studio or in just one area of your life. It's a continuous, interwoven theme if we allow it to guide us. And this brings to mind, you know, one of the parameters, you know, it's, it's kind of a joke in a little way, but, and, but in a big way it's kind of transformative for some students you know, sometimes I'll go in, and based on what the students are telling me, I'll say, okay, the goal today is to make the most ugly drawing that you can possibly make. You know, and that would be the parameter. And, I, you know, the point is to tap into that limitation because people are so afraid to make something ugly. And so I make it into a goal. I make it into a parameter so that we can actually see and, and actually realize that there's no possible way you can actually make something ugly. <laughs> you know, everything has a, has a value. Everything ultimately has a voice. So those kinds of things, I think, just kind of add tools to the big mix, you know, so that I hope that when the student leaves my classroom and they open up their sketchbook, they have less fear about drawing something because they think, oh, well, I already did something like that. I already drew something really ugly today. I can do it again. Um, so those kinds of little twists I really like kind of um, exploring in class. 
I love what you're saying. And you've hit during this show the two big words, fear and self-criticism and judgment. We don't even need to hear it from the outside world. We do such a good job of shutting ourselves down. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. I think my goal as a college professor is to undo a lot of things. Like I spend probably half the semester undoing and then doing the rest of the semester. It's very interesting. I think people need double the time uh, in college, you know, two semesters of drawing one instead of one semester so they can spend one semester just undoing a lot of the damage that's been done or uh, or just not damage but just inertia, just this kind of obstacle and, um, you know, being stuck. So. Exactly. So we're getting very close to uh, the end of our show now. Is there are there some words of wisdom or something that you'd like to share with us in addition to all the wisdom you've already shared? <laughs> well, I just hope the listeners. Um, you know, one thing I tell a lot of people who come to me that they find out I'm an artist and they say, oh, you know, I've done art and I just can't, I can't do it, I can't get back into it. And this is what I found helps, and I hope this helps the listeners, whoever, you know, is willing to get back into the creative process. And I say this, okay, every single day, set an alarm for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and you're going to do something like drawing, doodling, uh, whatever, painting, and you do it for 10 minutes, and then you close it, and you do not look at it. And you do that every day. There's no excuse. You're not allowed to judge it. You're just going to do it. You don't do it for longer than 10 minutes. And you do that for a period of time, maybe a week, maybe two weeks. And then after two weeks, look back through all the drawings. And then do 20 minutes. And then do 30 minutes. And, and it's so interesting that once you just allow a little bit of that creative, non-judgmental time where you're not allowing yourself to judge or criticize, then the process takes over. And people come up with their own projects after that, and it's really wonderful. So that's kind of the first, you know, step 101 that I would say. And if people are interested in in seeing my own work and kind of reading about my own process, they can visit my website, which is just my last name, Nersesova, N-E-R-S-E-S-O-V-A dot com, and they can leave, leave comments and email me if they'd like. Wonderful. Well, wishing you continued success and um, keep teaching we, we, and creating art. We need more like you. Thank you so much you for so being much, with Paul. us. I appreciate it. Thanks. Um, and to our listening audience, I also wanted to share how important this process is, whether you want to be an artist or not, just allowing that inner artist to emerge for self-expression. It's a process of meditation if you allow yourself not to judge yourself. And it's good practice of letting go of judgment and just allowing the flow of something within you to be expressed. And you don't have to show it to anyone. It can just be for you. You can lock it in a lockbox. You can tear it up. You can use scratch paper. But just for you to meditate, use it as a process of meditation to just express yourself. 
Um, I'd like to, we're at the end of our show, so I'd like to thank you for joining us today for Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you like today's show, please like us on Facebook. Go to my website, paulajoyce.com, and tune in next week as we talk with Dr. Deborah Mandel, author of Your Boss is Not Your Mother. Should be a fascinating show. And as Dr. Bernie Siegel called me, this is Dr. Paula, your CM, or chosen mom, reminding you, you are loved. Thank you for tuning in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Please join Dr. Paula Joyce and her guest experts next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Until then, have a positive week. We'll be right back.